We are in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to verse 38 this morning. Now there is uh, an internet man on internet posts doing the rounds. Uh, it goes something like this. There is no nativity this year because the three wise men have a travel ban. The census has been indefinitely postponed because it has been outsourced to the people doing track and trace. The shepherds are not around because they have been followed. The innkeeper is closed because he falls under tier three. As for Santa, well, he's not working at Christmas uh, because he would break the rule of six with Dasha, Dancer, Dona, Prancer, Vixen, and Blitzen. The reason, the other reason, is that Finland has just closed its borders, so Santa cannot cross the finish line. As for Rudolph, with that red nose, he should be self-isolating and taking a rest. Now, of course, I am conscious that you are not here this morning uh, breathing COVID, as it were, for bad Christmas jokes, right? But that internet post, I think, makes an, a serious point, doesn't it? It makes the point that this has been a very difficult year uh, for all of us. COVID-19 has turned our lives upside down. Jobs are being lost every day. Businesses are going bust. I just look over there and I see already three businesses just to my left there that have already closed. Churches, of course, are closing. I know that because just last month I had about three churches uh, closing, um, two of them in our association. Civil liberties, of course, have gone. We are, there's a reason we are sat the way <laughs> there was room we couldn't meet. In, uh, as we wanted to in, uh, in November. Uh, and I know for some folk, for example, in Northern Ireland, churches, uh, ministers are even being arrested. Families, of course, are being kept apart, aren't they? Brother Ola was uh, trying to organize the main thing at the restaurant and then just realized that we couldn't go as we wanted to go. And of course, as we think of 2021, uh, we are all dreading what 2021 is going to bring. We don't know. We're worried about 2021, aren't we? Because we look at this 2020 and we realize we had no clue what was coming. So we have no clue what's coming in 2021. And that fills some of us with deep anxiety. And of course, on top of that, as we enter this Christmas season, many of you are entering this Christmas season with other challenges in life. A few of us sat here just this, this morning, I've lost loved ones. I know in 2020, I know my wife who isn't here today uh, because happy goes and well, I know that she lost uh, her mother this year and this year is gonna be very, very difficult for her. And on top of that, there are people in fractured relationships and there are people that are just feeling lonely because they are by themselves. Life feels and is very hard at the moment. And I understand why some people have even said, let's just skip Christmas this year. Some have said that. Some of them, let's just skip the whole year. Let's skip Christmas. But I think that is shooting ourselves in the foot, isn't it? We need to celebrate Christmas. Why is that? Well, it's not just to keep the economy going. It's not just to keep the families meeting over the Christmas week. No, we need to celebrate Christmas to remind ourselves, especially those of us who are believers in Christ, of the two pieces of good news that Christmas brings. More than ever, we need 
to have a time of reflecting, of thinking and delighting in the coming of Jesus in this world. And this morning, I just want to, in the middle of all that's going on in your life, I just want to remind you two pieces of good news that Christmas brings from this passage. The first piece of good news we hear in this account of Gabriel's visit to the Virgin Mary is this. The first piece of good news is that God is here as one of us. God has come as one of us. Christmas reminds us that we are not facing life alone. God has moved into our neighborhood, so to speak. He has come to live on our street. He has come to live as one of us. Look, at, look with me at verse 26. Dr. Luke, who wrote this Christmas record, starts with an announcement that God is sending his angel Gabriel to a teenage girl called Mary. Look at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Mary is betrothed, we are told here. And in Mary's culture, that means that the only thing that Mary is expecting at this time, that Mary and Joseph are waiting for, is a wedding party and moving in together. But God, we are told here, has other plans for Mary's life. He has sent Gabriel to tell Mary that she's going to have a baby. And she's going to have it sooner than expected. Look at verse 28. Let's read on. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, a few years ago, uh, the small town in, in Italy threw a party to celebrate his first baby in 28 years. Uh, the town had 1,000 people, but had been reduced to, over time to just 100. And when this baby arrived, right, baby Pablo the mayor said, it's a dream come true. Of course it's a dream come true. Why? Because there are 100 people there, and if they don't, st- they don't start having more babies, the town will disappear. The mayor hoped that this baby who was coming into the world will be the first of many to come. He was very excited that he was a boy, and they hoped that as he grows up, uh, he will get married and have children, and they will have more children. All babies, of course, are special, isn't it? Even if they don't help drive up the local population, they're still special. Because no child who is born in this world is the same. Every child is unique who's born in this world. But the Bible here is telling us something even better. It's telling us that Mary's baby is truly special because he is God. Look at verse 32 there, what the angel Gabriel said. He says, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. Or he will be God the son himself. Later on, the angel says this in verse 35. You glance over verse 35. And the angel answered that. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the most high will overshadow you. 
Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. What is going on here? Uh, Is Gabriel saying that God is going to father a son? No, that's not what it means. The Bible teaches us that God exists in three eternal persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And the three are one God. What the angel is saying here is that Mary is going to carry in her womb God the Son. God the Spirit will enter Mary's womb and knit baby Jesus together. If you like, Mary's womb will be the bridal chamber for which the Son of God will enter. And through growing, taking on that human body, it will be born. This baby of Mary will be 100% human, isn't it? It will have all Mary's DNA. Inside the womb, he will do all the things that babies do in the womb. He will learn to move his fingers. He will move his toes. He will move his limbs. He will sometimes dream. Sometimes he's going to yawn. Sometimes in the womb, he will suck his thumb. He will get scared when Mary sneezes. He's a normal baby. He's going to do all the amazing things babies do in the womb because this baby is going to be 100% human. At the same time, Mary's baby will be 100% God. He is God the Son who created all things. This baby created the mother, Mary. And all things were created by him and for him. You see, this is the extraordinary good news of Christmas. It is this, that the birth of Jesus is God Almighty entering human history as a baby. As one of us. The Bible is saying, when you look at a nativity scene dramatized in your child's school play, they are doing this by video now. We have you guys been having one by video, right? This year. When you're going to watch that video and you see that nativity play, right? Or maybe you're watching one of these movies over Christmas. When you see in that play, you see a dramatization of little Mary pregnant, Okay? The Bible is saying Mary is carrying God inside a tummy. When you see little Mary's baby being born in the manger, you're looking at the dramatization of the creator God being humiliated, being born in humiliating circumstance. And maybe if your child play as a part in which the baby Jesus, they usually cut out this bit, but the baby Jesus fled to Egypt, as he escapes the slaughter of infants by King Herod. Friends, that is God, the creator, on the run to Egypt for his safety. Because he's fully God and fully man. And when we hear the words here of the angel Gabriel to Mary, that she is about to carry God in her womb, friends, it should leave our mouths wide open. It should fill us with one profound question. And the question is this. Why is God stopping so low to become a fetus? Why is our creator who said, let there be light, choose to live inside Mary's dark womb? Why is the provider and sustainer of all things allowing himself to be a fetus that needs 
feeding through the umbilical cord attached to a teenage man. Why is the high king of heaven who sits on his heavenly throne choosing to become an infant sitting in a cradle? Why is the thundering creator becoming a weeping bear? That's the question we should ask. That's what Christmas invites us to ask that question. And the answer, of course, is that he is doing it for you. He's doing it for me. God is here as one of us for us. And that is the second good news of Christmas. The first good news of Christmas is that God is here as one of us, right? The second good news of Christmas is that God is here for us. God is here for us. Let's rejoin uh, this narrative. You notice that the message of the angel to Mary is that God the Son is entering the womb of Mary for our benefit. God has come as our Savior. Look at verse 31 again. The angel Gabriel says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You know, the gospel account of Matthew says that God wants to be called Jesus because he's coming to save us from our sins. That's what Jesus means. Jesus means he will save us from our sins. He is coming as our Savior. Now, in July this year, some BLM protesters in the U.S. violently seized control of a part of the city of Seattle. Uh, you may have seen that story. They stormed in. They stormed into the police station, and they declared the area police-free. And they called it Chas. They started guarding this area with semi-automatic rifles, and they even appointed a leader who called himself a warlord. You see, what those anarchists did in Seattle is what all of us have done to God. We have stormed this castle, so to speak, stormed this kingdom. We have declared ourselves independent of God. We have rejected his rule. No one here no one here, every single moment of their lives, puts God first. No one here, every single moment of their life, treats God as he deserves to be treated. None of us do. None of us give God the first place in our lives. Do you know what the Bible calls that? The Bible calls that sin. Sin is not just doing bad things. I'm sure all of you guys here, you're all good people, humanly speaking. But you're still sinners. Why? Because sin is living for us first instead of putting God first. And all of us, therefore, are guilty of, the tre of treason against God who made us. Now, when the protesters declared Charles independent, at first, uh, the local mayor, Mayor Jenny Dukin, was very lax about it. She said it was an exercise in democracy. But of course, as time passed, it was all political, you see, so she had to say that. But as time passed, drugs increased, 
murders increased, and her hand was forced. In the end, the very liberal mayor of Seattle had no choice but to send in the police to enforce the law on the anarchists. Charles is not in the news anymore. Many were arrested, and it's been completely restored to normal. You, can, you can't book your holiday to Seattle, and you'll be all right if next year if you decide to do that. In the same way, you see, even though it looks like many of us every day, we are getting away with it against God. Even though it looks like God is not doing much, perhaps we think, there is a day of reckoning coming for each and every one of us sat here this morning. You see, 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 God is holy and just. And therefore all sinners must be punished for their sin. And so he has sentenced all of us to eternal punishment in hell forever. That is your default destination. But the good news of Christmas is that God has come here as one of us in the person of Jesus to offer us an alternative, to offer us life with him. He wants us, his enemies, to live with him in the new kingdom he's building in Jesus. God has no desire that any should perish. So he has entered this world that we would find life through his son. As Gabriel says to Mary in verse 31 to verse 32, let's read that again, 33. And behold, you conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. God is offering this to sinners. He's offering us a new life with him. You know, there's a powerful scene in the first film of the Lord of the Rings called The Fellowship of the Ring. If you remember, if you watched that film, Boromir has just saved two hobbits. And they're all part of this Fellowship of the Ring, right? But in the process of Boromir saving the hobbits, he has become injured. And just as he's about to, to die, Aragorn... Our hero, king in waiting, finds Boromir and the hobbits. And Boromir, of course, apologizes to Aragorn for his earlier attempt to steal the ring that the fellowship wants to destroy. And then with those wonderful dying words, he says to Aragorn, I would have followed you, my brother, my captain, my king. And at that moment, Boromir dies as a noble fighter. He dies, we, we, we see from the film, he dies for his weaker companions, for the hobbits, and of course he dies for the fellowship of the ring. He dies for those yet who had become his friends. And as we watch that powerful scene in the movie, we are moved to tears, I hope. We get into it and we are moved to tears for his love and sacrifice. But here's the question. We should all ask when we watch that. Would Boromir have died to save the evil enemy Sauron? Would he have died for Saruman? Would he have died for the ox? Of course not. That would make for a very bad movie, right? 
We do not expect him to die for his enemy. The sin is great because he's demonstrating friendship, isn't it? That is how life is. People serve good people. Except the one true God of the Bible. God came that first Christmas to us, his enemies. People who did not want anything to do with him. He came as one of us to save us from sin. And he did it so that if we repent, if we repent of our sin and trust in Jesus, we can now live with God forever. Now, it sounds too good to be true, isn't it? Because there's nothing like it. You won't find this in any religion. Only in Christ. It sounds too good to be true. A God who reaches out to serve his enemies. In fact, even Mary doesn't believe it at first. Look at verse 34. When she takes all of this thing in, you know, as we read those verses, and the Lord God, in verse 32, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. It's dawning on Mary. God is entering to serve sinners, to restore us to himself. She doesn't get it, she says. And Mary said to the angel in verse 34, How will this be? Since I am a virgin. She's struggling to make sense of all of it. So the angel has to reassure her that God has a plan. God is in charge. Remember, it is God entering the world. So we read on verse 35 to verse 37. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And look at verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. What the angel is saying really is that we can believe the good news of Christmas that it is true because God is fully committed to be one of us and for us in Jesus. He's putting all of his love, all of his mighty behind it. He has come, in, he's coming in the person of Jesus. He's telling Mary to lay down his life for sinners. And, and we are here today this Sunday morning, isn't it? Joining millions around the world because the baby was really born that first Christmas. And we know that was only the beginning, as Brother Michael reminded us as he was up here. This baby, who is God, grew up. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And then he went to that cross to die for our sin. And then after three days, he rose from the grave because the grave was too weak to hold him. And now he's now sitting as the high king of heaven, waiting for his second advent when he will appear again in glory. You see, this Jesus who first came as a baby will appear for a second time as the king of kings and as the lord of lords to establish his kingdom on earth forever. That's the good news of Christmas, folks. The good news of Christmas is that no one has to live without God. God is offering each one of us new life with him. He wants you to be with him. But for each one of us to receive and enjoy this good news of Christmas, 
For us to have life with God, you must personally accept this good news. You must personally accept Jesus as Mary does in verse 38. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, how did Mary respond to the good news? And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. Mary grabs this news of Jesus with her two hands. She welcomes Jesus. It's no small thing. She knows she'll be ostracized. She knows that she'll lose a lot. She knows she'll become the shame of the town. She knows she may have to be on the run. But she grabs it because Jesus means everything to her now. She knows Jesus is worth it. She surrenders to God. She says, I am your servant. And that's what it means to be a Christian, friends. You and I must do the same. It's not just church attendance. It's not just, uh, it's none of that. It is saying with Mary, Behold, I am your servant. Behold, I surrender my life to you. It is you accepting. You are cut off from the very life of God, but grace has come to you. Grace has come to you now, a sinner, and you are asking God to forgive your sin based on the death of Jesus for you. You are now fully surrendering your life to Him. And if you do that this very moment, your sins will be forgiven. If you have done that, your sins have been forgiven. Past, present, and future. You are now a child of God. You now have life with God. But if you haven't done that, then you must do that now. You must repent and trust in Jesus. And of course, you should be baptized to show that you have come to full faith in him. You should declare to the world that you have been, you are now a child of God. Why wait? You already trust in him, so show the world through the waters of baptism. And of course, you can talk to me about that. If you are trusting in Jesus already, well, the Christmas season is God's gift for you. Oh, friends, we should be excited about December. This place should be packed, shouldn't it? We should be excited about it. To be together, to be reminded of the good news. COVID or no COVID, it doesn't matter. The good news is bigger than COVID. Because you see, Christmas is here to remind you why you are a Christian in the first place. You know, there is much talk about the magic of Christmas, isn't there? And of course, what people mean, I was watching Arthur Christmas yesterday. Uh, with my daughter, the, the film, right? And there's a lot of talk there about the magic of Christmas as Arthur tries to, you know, get this present delivered to this little girl, the bicycle. Of course, what people mean by the magic of Christmas, really, it's a secular spirit of Christmas. They mean the traditions, the tinsel, the tree, the presents, the Christmas carols. The Christmas cards, I mean, the church carols, of course. The family get-together. Even Boris is excited about that. And of course, Santa, right? Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with these things. I'm delighted for our Christmas tree there. I start tomorrow my 12-day countdown. I'm going big on Christmas in our house this year, right? 
And I can't wait for the carols by candlelight. Right? And I hope you'll be here for that as well. But all of these things, we must not let what our society regards as the magic of Christmas, all of these wonderful things, to keep us from focusing on the true magic of Christmas. The true magic of Christmas is the good news of, of this passage. The miracle of Christmas is the good news of this passage. It is that the Almighty God, the creator of the ends of the earth, the everlasting God, the one who dwells in approachable light, has come to us in Jesus. He has put on human flesh as one of us. And he has done it for me, a worm, a sinner. The creator God, the creator God who was quite simply beyond our grasp has drawn near to us. He who was out of reach reached down to us. And we who trust in him have the amazing privilege to call him father. We share life with him through Jesus. We live in him and he lives in us. And what that means, friends, is simple. Whatever situation you are in at this moment, no matter what you've had in 2020, you are well provided for in Jesus. Your life is not powerless if you trust in Christ because God, who's powerful in all things, lives inside of you. You're not without great help because God the Spirit lives in you and is making available to you all of his wisdom, all of his knowledge, in the middle of difficult circumstances, yes, but he's making himself available to you. Yes, as you sit here, you may feel alone, or you may be actually alone for whatever reason. But in Jesus, you are never alone, friends. If you trust in Jesus, God in Jesus is with you in every moment. In difficult parenting situation, in difficult work situation, he is there with you. This is why he came on Christmas. He came to be with you. And because God is now one of us and for us in Jesus, you no longer need to depend on yourself. God already has your back. Christmas is there to remind you, God has your back. So keep trusting him. Keep delighting in whatever situation in this message of Christmas. Let this season actually deepen your dependence on God by remembering the good news of Christmas. God has come in Jesus as one of us and for us. And as I was thinking about this good news of Christmas, I had a wonderful poem that summarizes better what I have struggled to tell you this morning. As I heard it, it really struck me very well. And I thought, let me share this with you guys. To see if one of you recognizes it. Lift up your eyes and see the riches of, all, of the all-sufficient king seated on his throne in glory. See his scepter that stretches the expanse of unmeasured space. Hear him who holds all things together declare, all things are mine without exception. See the curiosity of the cosmos as Christ condescends to his most cherished creatures. See the astonishment of angels as the Almighty advances towards earth. See the humility of the pre-existent king born of a virgin birth. 
The infinite becomes infant. The maker becomes man. The divine becomes despised. And the Christ is crucified. The author of all creation cast upon the tree that he himself spoke into being. And the Lord of life was laid in the tomb. But the grave could not contain him. And so the Son of Man was raised to life. But why? To draw near. To pierce our greatest fear. To shed satisfying blood on our behalf. To give back the life we were meant to have. To enjoy, to hear, to adore, to test. And to look with peace upon our Savior's face. And to embrace him with an undying faith. To interpose all his worthiness into us. And serve the most unworthy and undeserving. He is our God. And we are mere men made by him. We are not like him. But he loves us and moves among us. The great and created and the created. No longer separated. He is Emmanuel. God with us. Amen.